Human Trafficking True Crime covers the exploitation of men, women, and children across the world. Subject matter may not always be suitable for children or those dealing with mental health issues. Listener discretion is advised. If you or someone you know has been trafficked, please contact the Human Trafficking Hotline by texting HELP, H-E-L-P, to 233-733. Last Word is a lifestyle brand focused on all things anti-human trafficking. According to the International Labor Organization, over 260 million children are forced into employment around the world. Making textiles and garments for the demands of fashion trends we see all on social media. This will often come at the price of a child being forced into labor trafficking. Our ambition at Last Word is to reduce the exposure of those who are trafficked around the world, starting with the garment industry. Last Word offers consumers a refreshed look at recycled, repurposed, and reloved fashion trends. It shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that fashion has a way of circling back around, and not always in the best way. Last Word takes all those unwanted and undesired garments, giving them a little TLC or repurpose to create a divine collection you will feel confident, amazing, and inspired in when wearing. Follow Last Word on Instagram at lastword underscore by SL and visit us online at lastwordbysl.com to get your latest fashion trends everyone will be sure to ask you about. In the fall of 2017, a young and courageous 19-year-old makes a surprise move from a small town in Pennsylvania to the big city of New York without any warning or planning and telling stories of lies and deceit to her family. It all comes to light after she goes missing. Tonight, we give Corinna Slusser the last word. How's it going, Megan? Hey. Back at it again. Another another episode. Another episode. Have you heard of Corinna Page Slusser? I have not. I no. haven't heard of this case either, but after I started researching it, it's pretty it's actually a pretty well known case. So. Okay, so I should know about it. Well, I think it kind of got some fame on TikTok from her mom a couple years ago. So I'm not in oh, okay. the TikTok space, so but before we get into the story, do we have any crazy news stories to tell? Not currently. No. Oh, the Midland young boy in Midland that we spoke about a couple oh, weeks yes. back. Um, he's still, still missing. unidentified. Well, he's not missing. Unidentified. He's unidentified. He is alive. He is in, I believe, state custody, which is scary and good i guess i mean we don't really know there's a lot of scary things with state mm-hmm. agencies we've obviously talked about that before but to our knowledge he's doing well so if you guys haven't seen go out to the midland police department look at his photo i think we've shared it i'll go out and share it again a few times so you guys can see it but share it get his picture out there and let's hopefully 
figure out where he comes from and what happened to his family. Give him a happy ending. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I also don't think that they have any development on the murder of the pawn shop owner down the street. No, I haven't heard anything either. I don't know. I was talking to my coworker about it because she was like, how Louisville's changed so much in just the short time that I've been here. And now with all this new developments that they're putting up right over here in Old Town, it's going to be pretty interesting to live in this area, I think. Yeah, it is. It's going to start changing for sure. And that murders like a literally drive by it. Yeah. All the time. Sad. Sad. And they still have all the flowers and the memorial up for him. So hopefully they'll get some developments on that. Let's go, Louisville PD. Mm-hmm. Step up your game. You know there has to be security at that. There has to be some form of security footage. I'm There's a gas station around the corner. Like, There's a car lot right there. Yeah. And like where his dogs went to. Or if his dogs were there that day. That's right. I do think his dogs were always behind the counter though, right? Unless mm-hmm. they were out in the yard. Well, I was talking to somebody and they said that sometimes they were just out in the, like out in the shop, just walking, walking I around. I can see that. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, hopefully they figure something out. So tonight we are talking about Corinna Page Slusher. She was born October 6th, 1998 in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. She grew up in a pretty small rural town with her mother and older brother. And by general standards, her childhood was normal. Her parents were divorced and I haven't really seen much on her dad. Um, I don't know if he's in the picture or not. If he is, it could just be like behind the scenes and not something that's really mentioned. So... Corinna attends Columbia High School in Columbia, Pennsylvania from 2013 to 2016, and she thrives. She's in, she's on the track team. She's got a good group of friends. She's on the cheerleading squad. She has average to decent grades, but overall she's engaged and she's doing really well in school. Now, Corinna's story, I think, really begins the start of her senior year, September 2016. Things sort of shift in her life. Her core group of friends were a year older, so now they're all off to college. Okay. Mm -hmm. And she decides, for whatever reason, to change schools and starts attending Bloomsburg High School. And Corinna then ends up deciding that she doesn't want to be involved in track. She doesn't want to be doing cheerleading anymore. She starts finding a new set of friends. And then we just know from there, things start progressively going downhill. Right. Right. That's hard when you you have an older group of friends and they all move. Like they all move on with their lives, essentially. And then you're just stuck there. And they're like living college, experiencing all these things that you're not a part of. And then you move to a different school. That's just got to be horrible yeah one well, senior year for me I was checked out I mean by by second semester I was done you know I mean I was just checked out but I think I was checked out going into senior year as well you know so yeah. imagine that and then you don't have friends to even and then you decide to stop doing all of your extracurriculars you you know you decide to stop or you get kind of pushed out because it's your like transition phase and like yeah bringing up the new leaders of the school mm-hmm well, Corinna's grades after she switches school schools starts to drop. She gets caught skipping school with her new friends, which Sabina doesn't really approve of, which that's her mother. Karina and her mother are now arguing about her grades, her friends, 
you know, school, the whole kit and caboodle. And then Karina is caught smoking pot and drinking. So the two are really fighting, right? It's just one thing after another. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's the epitome of teenage angst. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a lot of, I think, teenage rebellion mm-hmm. and, I definitely know that her mother has stated time and time again that that's really, at the time, she just thought it was teenage rebellion. Right. At the start of October, almost a week before her 18th birthday, Karenna and a friend are both caught shoplifting at a local dollar store and they are arrested. <laughs> I'm sorry. If you're going to shoplift, I wouldn't do it at a dollar store. I mean, I wouldn't shop at a Neiman, <laughs> shoplift at a Neiman Marcus either. I mean, I wouldn't no, shoplift, but I would go period, to like, but... I don't know, like the mall. <laughs> Plenty of Claire's. Go to Claire's. Come yeah, on. just lift a pair of earrings. Go We've to all Claire. done it. Um, I've never stolen anything I don't know what the Claire's. statute of limitations is on that, but uh, definitely I have. <laughs> stole a pack of gum when I was a little kid. My mother found out. You didn't ever go into Claire's and like no. take the earrings from No, a but I will say I was with <laughs> then- a friend one time and we were shopping at a big outlet and she stole a bunch of clothes and I had no idea until after we got in the car. She put them on and walked oh right out with them and peer, I had no idea. Peer pressure is real. That's all I got to say. You know, whoever's idea it is. Well, let's just but... say I never went back to the mall with that girl ever again. <laughs> I was like, uh, guilty by association? No, thank you. Okay, so yes, they get caught shoplifting at the dollar store, which obviously just now escalates the fighting. Right. So between October 2016 and December 2016, Corinna's behavior, like we have stated, it just escalates and it gets worse. Sabina is a single parent working overnight shifts at the hospital and so she can't obviously, well, no parent can be with their kid 24-7, but she's now working overnight shifts at a hospital, and everyone knows those are more like, tw- what are they, 12, 14-hour shifts Yeah, or they're something. long shifts, and it's like, what, three days on, something. four days off, something like that? Yeah, so there's a lot of time that, unfortunately, with Sabina working nights, leaves this opportunity of unsupervised time that Karina has to engage in furthering further bad behavior yeah further debauchery yes thank you so then Corinna gets caught throwing parties at sabina's house without her knowledge where her friends are then caught drinking and smoking marijuana just living living the life oh my god (laughs) did you ever throw a party at your parents house no 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 did i ever go to a house party no never ever Seriously? Not in high school. Nope. I know my parents listen, but I'm pretty sure they already know this. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely have thrown parent parties at my parents' house when they were gone. One was really bad. My sister actually threw this party. I Wow, you're about to get your sister in trouble. No, we've talked about this. I'm fairly confident. Um, my sister threw this party, but she like had invited five friends. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> you took it off the rails. Well, I ran to Taco Bell and the drive-thru guy was cute. So I invited him who then invited like 20 people. Shannon. <laughs> our parents' house was trashed. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. No, I've our, never, our digital never. camera was gone. <laughs> we were finding beer in the beer bottles and cans in the most random places. <laughs> Obscure. 
Just like, like in my parents' filing cabinets, <laughs> under the kitchen sink. I mean, it was just random. Oh, my God. Nope. Never so, done that. Savannah, Savannah, Sabina finds out that Corinna's having these parties at her house and these kids are smoking. And these two now are just, you know, they're at odds against everything. Her grades, school, drinking, the pot, the partying, all of it, right? The list just goes on. And again, Sabina at the time just thought what most parents do. It's normal teenager rebellion and I mean I guess to a level I could say yeah these are standard-ish normal normal-ish behaviors they're not ideal but they're not out of the norm especially approaching into your senior year and you're in a new school and you're trying to fit in and this is the way that it is at that new school I'm assuming well it is with the people she's hanging out with for sure but I think it's not out of the normal Teenage behavior, yes, not everyone does this, but it's not out of the norm. It's not ideal, yes, but I think this is where you start teaching your kids about these things, right? You've now caught them drinking. You've now caught them smoking pot. You're not going to be able to tell them not. Like, yeah, you can tell them not to do it, but they're still going to do it. So the best thing now is to educate them. Scare the crap out of them. Show them. Yeah, beyond scared, straight them. Yeah, like start teaching them about the abuse of these things, you know? I mean, anyway, so at the end of Christmas break, so we're now 2016 Christmas break, Karina decides to tell her mother she just doesn't want to go back to Bloomberg High School at all anymore. And, you know, after talking it out, Karina decides to go to an online charter school that Sabina had found. And so at the start of her second semester, January 2017, she starts this school. And it seems like for a short, short minute, things are kind of on the up and up, but she, she can't hold it together. Yeah, she again? can't hold it together. Her grades drop. She starts leaving work incomplete if she's doing it at all. Hmm. And then, you know, she's not even going to school half the time. And then she eventually drops out and doesn't even receive her high school diploma, which for survivors of human trafficking that end up in recovery this is one of these like this is a way that people become victims of human trafficking you don't have a, a high school diploma now so she's you know she's going to be drifting through the rest of her right life, i mean and we'll get into that more as the story goes on because the listeners are probably like what are we talking about here but the fact that she now doesn't have a high school diploma it's just a further step of an, something she's gonna have to overcome mm-hmm. later on when she's recovered See how I like say when she's because I feel like it's going to happen at the end of Christmas break. Yeah. So she decides that she doesn't want to go to school. She drops out. Then in April of 2017, Corinna attempted suicide by swallowing 5,500 milligram acetophetamine. Whoa. She's taken to the hospital. They t- the doctors tell Sabina that her liver's failing and that she's most likely going to need a liver transplant. But by the grace of God, she, you know, she recovers. And a little over a week later, she's recovered enough, but then she's held on a 72-hour psych evaluation, mm-hmm. which is standard. Now, while she was in the hospital, and I'm not sure if this was during, I don't think it was during the psych eval, but at some point when she was in the hospital, her friend Kaylee Levon comes and visits Corinna and Kaylee would later go on to tell the missing that it was a TV show that covered this case that she 
was texting a guy from New York while she was visiting Corinna in the hospital. And she, Kaylee went on to also say that Corinna was broke at the time and she knew that Corinna was on Tinder and a site called SeekingArrangements.com. Mm, seeking Arrangements. Never heard of it until this. this. That's actually sad. That I, I say that that's sad. I've been in this space for a while. You'd think I know them all, but... I don't. I didn't know this one. No, you There's so many, though. Yeah, but you don't need to know that one. <laughs> no, I don't want to know any of them. I want none of them to be around. So Kaylee stated Corinna wanted someone to buy her cute clothes, nice things, someone to just, like, take care of her, pay her way, essentially. She wanted a sugar daddy. Yeah, pretty much. And her friend says that a lot of the girls in college were doing this to make money. And I'm like, what in... Yeah the actual people make a lifestyle out of it it's like a huge thing it's insane just leads to human trafficking that's where these ladies need to be at n-d-e-p-e-n-d-e-n-t do you know what that means do you (laughs) know do you know what that song is no i knew you would not I literally was like, I seriously doubt she's going to know this. Okay, so it's a song. You need to educate yourself. I know Kelly Clarkson's version. No, this was like a rap song in the early 2000s <laughs> when I was in college. And it was like all the rage when we were at clubs. And you'd be like, she, it's like, you know, they spell it out and be like, she drives her own car, two jobs, works hard. I don't know all the words. It's just, it's. Maybe it's I really, do know that I just I need the I need the background. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's not a great song, but whatever. When Corinna gets out of the hospital, packages start arriving at the house for her. So her mother Sabina is like, "Yo, who are these from?" And Sabina just plays it off, telling her mom that friends sent her all of this. No. Yeah. <laughs> Your mom's not stupid. <laughs> okay. That's, uh, I understand this is 2017. I, Amazon wasn't really a thing when I was in high school, my senior year. So like, if you got a package, it was kind of out of the norm. But regardless, I, I just don't know. I still get Amazon packages delivered to my parents' house now. And my mom's like, what'd you buy? Yeah. What'd you it's get? like the grand inquisition. My what, mom what opens is that? mine. So that. She, yeah, she opened mine. my mom has uh, <laughs> accidentally. Oh, I thought it was mine. It says my name on it. Yeah, no, she's she's been like, oh, well, I, we share an Amazon account. I thought it was my package. I'm like, no. Yeah. So I won't be ordering anything. I just <laughs> find it interesting that her mom at this point in time. I don't know. Like a, I just feel like my mom would have pushed for more. Oh, definitely. my mom my would house, not have my taken, rules. Yeah, that would have been a huge conversation which and that might be something that she's she said but I just it's like it doesn't seem like there was much it's interesting I don't Mm. know I think my mom would question where these packages were coming from for sure and okay friends who what friends how do you know them I'd be looking at the return address start sleuthing yeah well and obviously this just creates more fighting and i mean i don't know if they're fighting about the packages per se or just all the things in general i'd imagine it's like everything um i forgot to mention that like so she's getting these packages right and then in may of 2017 she comes home with this large tattoo on the center of her chest oh my god and I'll take a I'll take I'll put the picture on the website, but 
this again, Sabina asks Karina where, who paid for this? And she tells her a friend. And so that's where I'm like, why are you not questioning that more? Or did you? I yeah. mean, obviously we weren't there, so I, I mean, I'm not trying to judge. Piece, that's $400. Yeah. It's like on the center in between her breasts. It's a sternum tat. Yeah. I mean, and it's like a, it's not dainty, but it's like a dainty design, I think, if I can remember correctly. It's not. It's the popular one that all the girls got, you know, the under boob sternum type. Yeah. Yeah, and so she's telling her mom that friends paid for that. She's telling her mom that friends bought these packages. And I'm like, my mom, if I, the packages that maybe I could have gotten away with, but a tattoo, hell no. Yeah. My I mom mean, would not have bought that a, a friend paid for that. No, There's no way my mom not. would have taken that as an excuse. My mom excuse. would not have bought that either. So, I did get a pair of AirPods from this guy in high school that I like begrudgingly accepted. And then I brought them home. My mom was like, who's this? And I was like, a friend literally brought these for me. Yeah. I never had anyone buy, buy my own shit. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to buy me something, like you can buy me, I don't know. Buy me dinner. A piece of land or something. <laughs> <laughs> so they're fighting. And then this just leads to... Sabina, or excuse me, Corinna deciding to move out of Sabina's home and into a friend's house in nearby Hazlitt, Pennsylvania, after she had like just started a job at Applebee's. So Sabina stated that she begged her daughter not to go, but that Corinna responded with, it'll be good, all we do is fight. And her mom just believed that her daughter wanted to be independent and live, you know, her own life. And she's, you know, 18 at this point. So I totally can understand that. I believe this is the last time that Sabina actually sees her daughter. Now, for the next several weeks, things actually do start to look like they're working out for Karina. She's started that job. She stays in communication with her mom through text and phone calls. And then just two months after she moves into her friend's house, she gets kicked out in August for not paying rent. The friend slash roommate, holds all of Karina's clothes as collateral, but Karina tells her mom she got kicked out and that the friend wouldn't give any of her stuff back. So Sabina calls the the roommate, the friend, and that person informs her that, no, Karina actually owes me rent money and I'm not giving any of her stuff back until she pays up, pretty much. Hey, that's fair. True. I, yeah. Totally fair, and I, I get that. And so then... Later on, through the course of all the investigation, Corinna's friend Kaylee stated that a man that no one knew picked up Karina from the house and told the roommate to keep all of her stuff because she wouldn't need it. He was just going to buy her all new stuff anyways. Mm. So then on October, um, excuse me, on August 19th, 2017, Corinna posts a couple pictures on her social media accounts and it's like a pool table with like a bar in the background and then the other picture is like a painting and the caption read fun in Brooklyn. Her mother Sabina sees this post and immediately texts Corinna asking what are you doing in New York? Jesus. So she went to New York? My God. Well Pennsylvania to New York that's not really that far now that I think about it. 
Black Owl Photography, located in the heart of Old Town Louisville, is a five-star rated photography business with over 15 years of experience. Kelly Blackall, the owner of Black Owl Photography, has a way of making anyone feel confident and comfortable in those sometimes awkward shots. She can get a wonderful photo of anyone, even those Chandler Bing clients. Kelly can capture shots that look effortless and natural while locking in beauty around. Black Owl Photography will handle your class portraits, engagement photos, or even that perfect political campaign headshot. Kelly has done it all and loves to get creative with her clients. If you have been on the fence about getting those updated headshots or need family photos for the holidays, reach out to Kelly and book your session today at Black Owl Photography on Instagram. That's B-L-A-C-K-A-L-L Photography or you can visit at blackallphotography.com. Schedule your perfect shots today, and I promise you won't be disappointed. Yeah, Megan, she goes to New York. And yes, it's not that far. No, but, but, that, but, but New you're York is 19, like, yeah. and it's New York City. Yeah, and, and you're you from a rural... And you didn't tell anybody that you went anywhere. And you live in a rural area. Right. You, you're you not a native to the yeah. ways of the big life in the city. New York is insane. Yeah. Sabina sees this post about all the fun in Brooklyn. She contacts Corinna, who just plays it off like she's visiting, and has no real plans of making this stay in New York long term. At least that was the impression that Sabina was left with after she spoke to her daughter. Her friend Kaylee even texted Karina asking her what she was doing in New York, to which her friend responded with, I'm all good, it's fine. I'm all good, it's fine? Jeez. Mm -hmm. And that you say that's your friend? I'd been like, uh, bitch, get your ass back where you belong. I would have been like, it's all fine with who? What are you doing there? Yeah. When are you coming home? Where are you staying? Yeah. Why are you there? Yeah. There's, I have a lot Bitch, of I got questions. Call me. <laughs> like, what? Actually, FaceTime me. Thank what, you. <laughs> what's the 411 or what you young kids say? The tea. Yeah. Drop I'm, that tea. Sis. I drink, I'm drinking tea right now. <laughs> Literally. I drink and brew my own tea. <laughs> Hippie Shannon coming in. So I was a fad before it was a fad. Anyways, yeah, she just plays it off. That This is believed to be the time that everyone suspects she was first introduced into the New York City sex trade industry. Mm. I kind of have questions. I think she was probably groomed a little bit before that, especially with the suicide attempt and all of that. It could have the grooming process definitely was around that time, but this is for sure when they believe they can definitely pinpoint it. Like we know for sure it started around this time. Mm. Like, or we have evidence of that. So a few days later after playing off this whole visit to New York as like a, you know, just that a visit, Karina then tells her mother that she got a job doing payroll and was looking for a studio apartment. Payroll. Payroll. Again, my mom, I God love my mom, but you can't keep anything from her. Like she no. would payroll where? What's yeah, the name of the company? You, I want to Google it. Who owns it? What does that even mean? Like payroll? Like, yeah. Are you processing payments? Are you? Yeah. My mom's yeah. going to want a lowdown. I mean, for sure. Doing? So I just, again, I'm like, 
I, we don't know. Obviously, we weren't there. We can't, you know, and we're not judging her mother, but no. it's like, and also she's an 18 year old. Like at this point, what can her mother really actually do? You know, but again, I just know my mom would be on me like white on rice. And we obviously now know this payroll job is a lie um, as her story goes on because, you know, her mom found out. So on October 20, why do I keep saying October? Like <laughs> in August. October for some <laughs> it literally says August and I'm like October. On o- August 25th, 2017, around 1 p.m., a man named Giovanni Pagero. Pagero. He assaults Corinna at the Harlem Vista Hotel where the pair had been staying. Now, it's unclear exactly how Corinna and Yavani met or if he's the man who picked her up from the friend's place when she got kicked out or even if he's the man that she was texting when she was in the hospital. But 35, 32-year-old Yavani from Harlem is straight up bad news. He has been in and out of prison since he was a teenager. He has been arrested nine times, has been convicted of burglary, robbery, robbery, burglary, robbery, sex trafficking, promoting prostitution, assault, harassment, criminal mischief, possessing and selling drugs, resisting arrest, and disorderly conduct, just to name a few. Well, I really just wanted this to end so differently shannon (laughs) oh no 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 and it (sighs) just gets crazier according to police documents and corinna's statement yavani allegedly stole three hundred dollars from her while she was in the shower corinna confronts yavani and the confrontation escalates at which point he allegedly grabs grabs her by the neck slams her against the wall and starts choking her corinna manages to call 911 and she was taken to the hospital there are reports that she told nurses Yavani was her daddy. And if that is true, right then and there, right then and there, the nurses, the doctors, the reported mandators, reported mandators that are interacting with her should have intervened. They yeah. should have brought in outside counsel. They should have provided pamphlets. I do not know if they did. It does not sound like. That has happened, at least from what I can understand. Three days later, August 28th, 2017, Yavani is arrested and charged with assault, harassment, and criminal obstruction of breathing or blood circulation against Karina. A judge issues a six-month order of protection against Yavani. The order stated he was not allowed to have any communication with Karina, including over the phone, text, email, or social media. And if he did, he could face up to seven years in prison. Yavani's bail was set at just $1,000. And he pays it and is released. At the same time, like all of this is going on, Corinna never told her mother any of this like was going on. And it wasn't until several days, like maybe a week later, when Sabina receives a copy of the order of protection in the mail at oh her home. And she opens it, at which point she calls Corinna, who tells her, everything's fine. I was robbed, but the man's in jail. There's nothing to worry about. Is he, though, or is he with you, Corinna? She doesn't explain the relationship. 
and we know that he is already out of jail at that point when she talked to her mother. So that was a straight lie. Mm -hmm. She is straight lying to her mother about the situation because she's saying that he's in jail and he did go to jail, but he was out at that point. Right. Then around, they believe the same time, late August, early September, Corinna meets a man by the name of Ishi Wooney. He is a 21-year-old aspiring rapper. <laughs> and I listened to one of his freaking raps and was like, after about three seconds, was like done. He literally just says his name for no joke, like 20 times in a row. Oh, it's, Jesus. It's stupid. He's weird. He's also in the sex trade industry in New York. And Corinna's family family has stated publicly that they do believe Ishi was trafficking her and they are unaware of exactly how Ishi and Corinna met. My bet, though, is that she was being trafficked by Yavani, yeah. who gets locked up. Now Corinna is open, open agent, if you will, free price tag. And Ishi either already knew her from Yavani or through the ladies in the industry. And once Yavani gets locked up, he goes in, snatches her up, and now she's a part of his ring. Right. And, you know, he probably was like, hey, I know that you're hurting for money now that your uh, pimp is in jail. So let me just take you under my wing now. I, I got a place for you to stay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And for Ishi, the more girls, the more money. Mm-hmm. On September 3rd, 2017, just nine days after Corinna was attacked by Yavani, she reaches out to him via Facebook Messenger oh. saying, how are you? Are you okay? Four days later, on September 7th, Yavani responds, hi, how are you? Are you all right? And I miss, I miss you still. Now, him responding is now in violation of the order of protection from the judge. That same day, Corinna posts on social media pictures of her quote-unquote first apartment in New York, which is in Jerome Park in the Bronx, which is one of the five bureaus. Now, she writes with these pictures, never been more happier in my life, forever dream accomplished. Accomplished. She, I think she's putting up a front. First of all, I think these pictures look fake. They look like really? model they... home photos to me. Okay. They don't like, they look like real photos, but they look like something you would see in the ad. Like she copied it maybe from the mm. listing page. So that leads me to think, did you actually see the apartment? Have you actually been in the apartment? Because if you were, you probably would have taken your own photos. Right. Unless it doesn't actually look like it does in the picture that you're posting. And I also find it funny that you're getting a response from Yavani who beats you up asking how you're doing, saying he misses you, and you respond with you've never been happier. Or, you know, then you respond by posting on your page that your life has never been happier. It's kind of like a front. Yeah. I feel like she's putting she's up a probably front. putting up a front or she's trying to believe the fairy tale. Yeah. Yeah, very well. I think it's probably a little bit of everything, probably. Mm -hmm. September 8th, she updates her profile picture on Facebook and Instagram with the captions, cheers to pumpkin spice and fall fashion in my new home. She's wearing this white lace shirt with like a red rose on the upper chest area, if you will. I mean, it's actually a really pretty shot. She's a beautiful young lady. Yeah, we're looking at it right now. She is very pretty. She's got striking eyes. Um... And then two days later on September 10th, she makes her last 
post onto social media. It's a picture on Instagram of someone smoking what appears to be a blunt, in my opinion, wrapped up in a black and mild. And the caption reads, siphon midday mid road is always good for the soul. What? Which that to me implies that you are, it's marijuana. And it looks like a marijuana photo, you know? I mean... It looks like someone's smoking oh, a blunt yeah. wrapped up in... I mean, you can't tell, obviously. It could just be a black and mild. But with her cryptic text and looking at the picture, I'm like, it's a blunt. <laughs> it's a blunt. She's... Whoever is in this picture is smoking, in my opinion, what would be a marijuana cigarette. Now, the interesting thing about this photo, Megan is they can't identify or rule out Ugh. if the picture is that of Karina, Corinna, excuse me, but they can confirm that the location of the Instagram post is in the Bronx. Now, we just looked at that picture, yeah. and I will pull it up again for you, but... There's some sites they blur it out, some don't. You can look it up and see it. The face is that when it's not blurred out, I don't understand how you can't say it isn't Karina because the person, if you zoom in, you can see like a dark strand of what I think appears to be hair. Um, is that and not- and the skin tone is way darker than that of Karina. Yes. Now I will say the. What I would, if you zoom in, in between the hand and the chin, it looks like a hair strand, but it also could be a hoop earring. I'm, okay. I am aware that it could be a hoop earring, but if it's a hair strand, it's a dark colored hair. And when you zoom in, the person looks to be of that, of color. They look, yes. whether to be Hispanic, Tongan, Mexican, I just don't think it's her. She's a very white, pale, complected person. Do you think that that's a female? That's the other debate, is if it's a male or female. Now, I lean to think that it's more of a female because it looks like there could be breasts, but that doesn't necessarily mean that a person is a male or female. Right, I mean, hats do a lot to change. It does. I mean, Jennifer Kessie. I'm wearing one right now, and I look like a man, so. Right. Well, I don't think you look like a man, but the Jennifer Kessie thing. That, yes. Remember that in the POI video. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's Corinna. Go look it up if you're, I mean, we'll obviously post it on our social channels, but I personally don't think it's her. I just think the person looks to be Hispanic, Native American. They have a darker skin tone mm-hmm. to me, and the, just her skin tone is a, lo- a lot more lighter. So go be the judge for yourself. But that's her last post. Then on September 11th, Corinna's aunt reaches out because she now has found out about this assault. The pair exchanged several text messages back and forth. But it sounds like Karina tried to downplay the situation again, telling her. So her aunt wrote her saying, I just found out what's been going on with my favorite niece, to which the response from Karina was going on. Not much is going on. What you mean? Corinna totally downplays the situation, like telling her aunt not to worry. The man is in jail and it wouldn't happen again. But a 
lie detector test proves all of that is a lie. She was already exchanging text messages with him at Um, this point. And I just want to like, when I read that, the whole, her text going on question mark, not much is going on. What you mean? In my head, I'm like, I could just hear like my family being like, bitch, what you mean? What do you mean? What do I mean? Don't (laughs) What you mean? (laughs) What do you mean? What do I mean? Like you've been attacked. Don't downplay the situation. Let someone come help you. Right. Yes. Yes. And yes, I want to make note of that because yes, I think we'll circle back to this moment in time later. But yes, that asked for help. On September 16th, 11 at 11.27 p.m. Eastern Time, Ishi Rooney sends a picture of himself and another woman with Corinna, so three of them, to Corinna's Facebook messenger. The woman was later ID'd as someone that Ishi had trafficked, and the two girls Ugh. were featured on sex sites together as a two-girl special. Four days later, September 20th, 2017, Corinna is last reported to have been seen leaving the Haven Motel on Woodhaven Boulevard in Rigo Park, Queens, sometime in the early morning hours. The story that has been told is that the woman that was in the photo with the three of them was upset between the relationship Corinna and Ishii had. She wanted Corinna gone. Ishii said he would pass her off to someone else. and that he So then he got her a room for the night is the story that has been told later on. Mm-hmm. It is believed that Ishii was with Corinna in the morning, early morning hours of the 20th at the hotel. What we do know is that around 5.40 a.m., Karina calls her best friend Kaylee and leaves a voicemail saying, Kaylee, as soon as you wake up, you better tell me everything that happened with, and then gives the name of the person and it's bleeped out. He cheated on you for two months and you didn't know. You need to tell me everything. Text me everything. Tell me you're okay. What? Very odd message. It is, um, we'll try to, you can listen to it out there. We'll try to put it in here if we can. But if not, we'll, um, you can look, I'll link it in the show notes and stuff or on the blog. But yeah, you can listen to her. Obviously, I don't know what she sounds like on a normal day anyways, but her friends and everyone have stated she sounds frantic and she does sound a little like excited exasperated in the conversation a little bit so i wonder if the bleeped out name is not kaylee's boyfriend or whatever well but is apparently her giving the name apparently this incident that happened that corinna is referring to regarding her friend kaylee happened months and months like it was kind of irrelevant information like why are you all of a sudden calling about this okay it was out of the blue okay and so it's just a very strange message because this wasn't like new information and she this I guess had already known about this I'm not really sure they don't go into too much detail but from what I am understanding this situation that Kaylee happened with the cheating and that Corinna is referring to happened well in advance to the night she went missing. Okay. That even more interesting. Yeah. So it's very odd. Like her friend says, she's like, I don't know what the message is about. Like, it's just very out of the blue around 5 PM that same day, Karina calls her mother and speaks to Sabina for the last time. 
Karina tells her mom she wants to come home and that she's coming home the next day. It's at this point that Sabina has to tell Corinna that on September 14th, her grandfather died. So we're talking six days later. Mm -hmm. And Sabina goes on to tell Corinna that she would be leaving the following Sunday for Florida to attend the funeral. She asks Karina if she'll be able to come to the funeral, to which Corinna told her that she would try, but it, but that she couldn't fly because someone stole her driver's license and social security card and that she had no money, but she would see about taking a train down. Her mother has stated that she has no idea if Corinna ever tried to actually take the train. So she doesn't have an ID. She doesn't have a social security card. There's a lot in this I want to break down. Right. You call your mom and you're telling your mom you want to come home. Yes. And that you want to come home tomorrow. To which you now have to, yeah, okay, there's urgency there. Mm-hmm. Your kid is calling you and saying they want to come home. And yes, your dad has now died six days previously. To which you never called your daughter and told her. And I don't know, maybe she tried to reach out to her right. and Corinna's lifestyle and she just doesn't, you know. And if she's being controlled, can't, hand, you know, call her mom. She has a moment to call her mom. So now her mom has to drop this bomb on her that grandpa is dead. Sorry, you can't come home. I'm going to Florida. Several days later, though. That's the thing. Like, Corinna could have come home the next day and her mom still would have been there. And then the pair could have gone to... The funeral together. Yeah. Or what have you. They could have figured something out. So I don't understand why her mom... And again, we don't know the family dynamic and all the situations. Mm -hmm. There may be a lot they're not telling us, and that's their prerogative. But there's just a lot of questions for me. Like, I feel like if this was me and I moved to New York and I call my mom and I'm like, I want to come home and I want to come home tomorrow, my mom would be like, like, I got a flight for you at four o'clock. Like, get your ass to the airport. Like, my parents would take a train. Well, but even after I tell my mom that someone stole my driver's license and social security card, I know damn well my mom is not going to leave me abandoned at that point. She is going to either say, okay, I've got to get to Florida on Sunday. We've got to figure out a way to get to New York to get your ass and get you home before Sunday so I can leave You know what I mean? Like, I just don't understand what the thought process is here on this. Because, Megan, I know if you called your mom and said you didn't have your driver's license, you didn't have your social security card, you didn't have any money. Yeah, she would be there in a heartbeat. Your grandpa died. Yeah. You want to go to the funeral. You want to come home now. Like, it's just very strange to me. I don't know if I believe the fact that her ID and social security card were stolen. I don't think they were stolen. I th- well, I do think they were stolen. I think they were taken from her and not given back. Well, that's what I'm and saying. Stolen like, in that she sense. knows who has them. Correct. I don't think some random Joe Blow on the street no. took them. I think that her Johns and her hand, not her Johns, her handlers have them. At 7.04 p.m. that same day, Corinna sends a Facebook message to Yavani asking to come see him. She wrote, please let me come. Followed with, if not, I could be locked up TN for tonight. I think this P, just the letter P, just did some foul shit. He left me in a short stay that's up soon with no money and food. Okay, so I'm going to read that again, but without all the interjections, just so everyone can understand. It says, please let me come. If not, I could be locked up tonight. I think P just did some foul shit. He left me in a short stay that's up soon with no food and money. Mm. Yeah. So then at 10.34 p.m., 
just a few hours later, Yavani tried to call Karina over Facebook Messenger, but she does not pick up the call. This is the last known Facebook interaction between Karina and Yavani, and we do not know if the pair ever met up that night or after. Now, between September 10th and September 20th, Ishi and Karina exchanged over 800 text messages. Oh my God. Having to go through all of those? Yeah. Well, unfortunately. Sabina leaves Pennsylvania on September 24th and heads to Florida for her father's funeral. That same day at 10.48 a.m., Ishi Uni attempts to call Karina over Facebook, but she doesn't answer. While Sabina is in Florida, she tries reaching Corinna through her phone, but it's just going straight to voicemail. Her text messages are going unanswered. And honestly, at this time, it's not really out of the norm, right? They are going through periods that they don't always talk. Mm-hmm. Plus, she's dealing with the loss of her father, so she really just doesn't doesn't really think much of it. it keeps focus on dealing with the death of her father. When she returns home to Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania on October 1st, At that point, she gets in touch with some of her her daughter's friends, and none of them have spoken to her. No one has seen or heard from her in a while. So at that point, she tries to file a missing persons report with the Montour Township Police Department in her town. They tell her that because Corinna doesn't live there, she's got to go file it in New York. So now she has to schedule all this stuff. A few days later, her and a friend take a train into New York And they literally walk precinct to precinct going around trying to get anyone to take this missing person's report. And no one will do it. They're all just saying, like, she's an adult. She can go missing if she wants. They end up running into two female NYPD officers. And one of them happens to recognize the poster that Sabina had of Corinna. And the officer tells her mom that she was there the night Corinna called 911 against Yavani. She was one of the responding officers. Think about the odds of that. That is crazy. What? There's like five million people in New York? Yeah, but there's not that (laughs) many officers. But still, the likelihood of that. Yeah. Yeah. She runs into the officer and then... The both of the female officers go on to tell Sabina Sabina that Yavani's pretty much well known in the law enforcement within mm-hmm. NYPD. He's and not for his community service, you know, not for bettering <laughs> the world around us. He has got a long history of abuse against women, pimping them out, selling drugs. I mean, he's just they know all about him and they start giving Sabina the lowdown on him and all the things about him. Now, I don't believe that these female officers are the ones that said this to Sabina, but it has been stated that the police told Corinna that she told Sabina Sabina that Corinna willingly got into this Mm. and got into the sex trade and so that they couldn't really do anything to help her. Ah. Yeah. Okay. That's what I said. Mike, you got me jacked up seven ways from sunday like what in the actual no i'm pretty sure your job is to serve and protect sir ma'am sure she may have gone into it willingly but then she was like no i'm i want to go home i want to go home i want to be i want to i want out right well she's being abused and you have her on record calling him her daddy 
you clearly are not educated and trained enough to be aware on what the signs are for human trafficking to know when you should properly intervene and bring out outside mm-hmm. counsel. And by counsel, I mean support, count, um, therapists, counselors, nonprofit organizations, people that specialize in this because yes you are a police officer and you can't be all things to everyone all the time Mm -hmm. but you should be aware well enough aware of the signs of human trafficking and you know that he is this and you know that she is a victim of him and you know of his history yes they there should have been more more intervention should have been going on Police also tell Sabina that the motel where Corinna was last seen had no working surveillance cameras. And I did look this up. I totally can buy that it could be a place that just has like security cameras up, but it's a shithole and they're not actually like working and they're not paying for them. Or it's, you know, they're just there for, you know, or the other option is they're there and they are recording and they just don't want to give it up to police. Because this area is like a shithole. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Now, according to an ABC News report, an investigative report shows that the Montour Township Police spoke with the Manhattan District Attorney's Office about Karina's case and the order of protection she had against Giovanni. According to the Montour Township report, the Manhattan DA office told them given Giovanni's background there is a concern that he may be holding Karina against her will and prostituting her out for money so the the NYPD emails Karina on October 19th 2017 informing her that her family has listed her as a missing person and asking if she is okay to which Karina never responds so you're acknowledging that she is a victim of Yavani and being prostituted out for money, which, hey, guess what, is human trafficking. Mm-hmm. But you are sitting here saying she got into it willingly and you can't do anything to help her. Cool. Cool beans, NYPD. Cool, cool, cool. Ten days later, on October 29th, 2017, at 6.31 p.m., Ishiwuni messages Karina saying, Hey, I miss you. Can you just hit me up and let me know you're okay? There's no response. (sighs) Yeah. Then on November 3rd, 2017, two NYPD officers interview a woman and Ishii at a hotel in New Jersey about Corinna's disappearance, but the police have never released this information, so we don't know what they have told, what they told officers. And then the craziest thing of all, in this case to me, I mean, it's all crazy, that on November 9th, 2017, a former detective for the Grand, Par- Grand Prairie Police Department, which is just here in the DFW Metroplex, received a Crime Stoppers tip from the NYPD. And the tip stated that Corinna may be in Grand Prairie oh being held captive. So now I want to go to the red light districts of like Fort Worth and that whole area. I know. Oh my God. I know. And the tattoo. New York to Texas. The tattoo. The tattoo. I mean, we, you know what I mean? Like we have, I mean, obviously they could have covered it up, but then there'd be another tattoo there. Right. But she has very piercing blue eyes. 
I'm just like, oh my God, Grand Prairie. That's very close. <laughs> very, very close. So police arrest Ishii on February 26, 2018 at a hotel in New Jersey for possession of drugs and for allegedly assaulting the other woman that was pictured in the photo with Corinna that he had sent back to her in September. God. Yeah. Sabina never, like, didn't have any, like, real tips or leads until the following spring of April 2018 when she con was contacted by someone saying that they were holding Corinna and if she paid $7,500, she could have her back, giving her instructions and, you know, how to, where to, 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 how to exchange the money and the drop and all that. She contacts authorities who tell Sabina that it's probably a scam and not to do it. But Sabina decides to send the money anyways. Ugh. But it doesn't go through. And then the next day, she gets a message saying, remember this day, though, April 17th, Tuesday, 2018, because it's the day you almost got her. Oh, my God. If that is a, a like hoax or a farce, like that's so... People are sick and disgusting. And then if it's true, you're like, oh my gosh, you could have had her. But I, I do think it's probably leaning more towards a host because $7,500, they can make that in three, you know, yeah, two or three sure. days. That one's easy. Mm -hmm. So. Sabina would also receive an anonymous letter in the mail in her at her home in Bloomsburg that spring. The man only identified himself as Carlos C. and stated he believes he saw Karina on September 26, 2017 at 8.30 p.m. near 67th Road in Queens. He states that Karina was chasing his friend and was shouting that she was going to sue him. The Carlos C, I know, the Carlos C guy says in the letter that he tried texting his friend after that night, but his friend never responded. This guy does identify his friend by first and last name, but the name has never been released. Hmm. Yeah. The good old FBI does get involved in the investigation by the spring of 2018, taking items from Corinna's room. They obtain DNA from Sabina and other items that could lead to DNA for Corinna. In case they find her body, Sabina does say that the FBI did tell her that Corinna's phone last pinged in Jamaica, Queens, New York. Right. Then in May of 2018, Yvonne and a man named Marcus McWright are both charged with promoting prostitution in Manhattan. According to, ter uh, according to court documents, the two of them between June 7th, 2017 and October 13th, 2017, knowingly advanced and profited from prostitution by managing, supervising, controlling, and owning, either alone or in association with each other, a house of prostitutions, a house of prostitution, and a prostitution business and enterprise. They like basically had a little ring in oh like all their side stuff as well. Of course. Why why would they not? Sabina also said that investigators told her that this Marcus McWright posted online sex advertisements for Corinna. Ishi Wooney is arrested again in October of 2018, and this time it's on federal charges for sex trafficking Corinna oh, and the woman pictured in the Facebook photo. Ishi 
it's like a month later and then Ishii is sentenced in November of 2018 to 15 years in a federal prison. Like I said, he has a rap and it's really stupid where he's like, <laughs> Ishii, uni, Ishii. Or he just keeps saying Ishii over and over and over again. He's like, <laughs> what? If that... Well, it took him long enough, but now he's in prison. Mm-hmm. And he is in prison for a hot minute. I mean, he is serving out his sentence at the Tara Hout Federal Prison in Indiana. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he's, it's a 15-year sentence. And at his sentencing, he... Sabina pleaded with him to tell her where her daughter was, asking him, like, you know, where is he, where is she, all of the things. And he turns around and tells her, honestly, I don't know. I never passed her off to anybody. Is she dead or alive? I'm honestly not sure, but I pray she's alive. He's expected to be released from prison on November 28th, 2031. God, yeah, because he's only, what, 22, 21? Yeah. So he'll get out. That's ridiculous. In the early part of 2019, Sabina sends a letter to the White House and to President, then President Donald J. Trump, Mm -hmm. expressing her frustration with the FBI in New York, who she says doesn't respond to her calls or her emails. And then on February 14th, Sabina receives a response from the White House regarding her email. The letter stated, White House staff reviewed your correspondence and forwarded it to the appropriate federal agencies for further action. Sabina said after that, the FBI offices in New York contacted her, reaching out and apologizing for not returning her messages. So somebody got in trouble there, which I think is... (laughs) Slap on the wrist. Freaking hilarious. Well, good. (laughs) Do your damn job. Yeah, Do your damn job. Yeah. There's that And if you don't have any information, just sending... A freaking reminder email of, hey, I just want to let you know, like, we're still on. I haven't forgotten about you. Yeah. Dude, you can set up email reminders, pre write them, and designate the time you want them to go out. Right. It's really not that hard, but it shows these missing families and the, the secondary victims of whatever the crime is that you have compassion and that you aren't forgetting it. Mm hmm. The person. It's just, ugh. after two years of Corinna being missing, Sabina buys a phone and contact connects it to Corinna's old phone number. And to her surprise, all of Corinna's phone, like photos, her apps, her calendar reminders, oh, wow. and her emails load on to the new phone. However, Corinna's text messages and call log did not transfer, so she does not have any idea on what what the, the communications like. were because remember I had said that Ishi and Karina had exchanged over 800 text messages, mm-hmm. but we won't know what the pair said because we couldn't obtain anything. Then Sabina turns the phone over to the FBI who then gave it back to her two months later. And she says the FBI has never told her what, if anything was found on the phone. And I believe to date the FBI has not, really been in touch with her it's Ugh. just gone back to radio silence and i'm not surprised we've all heard me rant about the fbi and i think overall it's a joke but now i'm gonna be on a double list 
Shannon is now I'm not gonna say public what I enemy say. number one. That's really funny though. Um, I can read it and it's hilarious. Well, okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't like. We all know how I feel about the FBI. And I understand there are good men and women on the FBI, but we I have a little think... joke in our family <laughs> that the FBI could not find a menstruating elk in the middle of the Rocky Mountains during a snowstorm if they wanted. That's like a little family <laughs> joke that we have. I also think, well, we've talked about this before too, uh, it comes down to they are focused more on the big picture rather than a singular person. Right, especially if the big picture can nab someone else, but at what cost exactly do we stop doing that? Mm-hmm. Because you're, if you can save or stop one person from being victimized again, I think it's a win. Even yes. if you can't get the bigger fish. Yes, we want the bigger fish, but... If we can save someone in the process, it's I don't like understand the, why we don't. The time-honored psychology. Right. Well, this is where Sabina, Corinna's mom, really starts turning into that badass mom, that like Roxanne Paltoff kind of mom mm. that I think of, like the don't fuck with my babies, mama bear's going to come out. January 15th, 2020, around 11 a.m., Sabina confronts oh. Yavani at one of his court hearings in Manhattan asking about her daughter. She's also secretly video recording this conversation with Yavani. And he tells Sabina, listen, when she met me, I swear to God, I seen her as a beautiful Caucasian. I'm not dumb. I said, I'm going to upgrade this girl. Took her straight shopping. <laughs> I just can't. I bought her wild clothes. What does that even mean? <laughs> like, I bought her wild clothes. You can watch the video of him too. Like... And hear his tone of voice and his demeanor, <laughs> and you can see some of it. So Sabina asks what he thinks happened. He responds with, I honestly think that she's alive and she's trying to live life in New York City. Sabina follows up with, who is she with? And he just responds with, I don't know. Go watch the video because he's a tool. Like, he's just, <laughs> I don't have any it. other word for it. It's just watching him like, I saw this beautiful Caucasian. I'm going to upgrade her. What? No, no, I don't need you to upgrade me. Thank you. You're super rad. I need you to upgrade to the right and off to the left and out the door. And <laughs> Up the around corner. the corner. And, and around your ass. <laughs> back to Timbuktu. Okay, bye. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so then February 21st, 2020, just like a month later, Marcus... McWright, the other man that was arrested with Yavani, who had supposedly had photos of Corinna on prostitution sites, was convicted of promoting prostitution, but due to bloody effing COVID-19 pandemic and the city of New York's attempt to clear out prisons, he was released after just one month. He walked out of a pres- the prison on March 26th, 2020. So literally right, right as the pandemic started. Right at the start. Then on June 4th, 2021, around 10 p.m., Yavani gets arrested by NYPD officers near Times Square. He is spotted selling crack cocaine. And the officers then search him to find several plastic bags filled with crack and a larger rock of crack cocaine in his pockets. I'm guessing this larger rock is like not cut. I don't, 
I don't know. I've only seen stuff you sort. I'm not even sure. No, like, I've seen crack cocaine. I've seen cocaine. I know. But... It's really funny because um, I thought that crack and cocaine were two different things. They are. Okay, so crack cocaine is the poor man's cocaine. Like two different drugs. Their cocaine is, yes, more expensive and it's like of higher quality and standards, if you dust, will. Now, right? I am speaking from, I am not a drug, I've, I've never done cocaine. I'm just speaking from what I've well, been told. Like crack cocaine, from my understanding, is the poor man's cocaine. It is the same type but of do you pie, melt sort it of and smoke it out of you a crack pipe you can do different pipe? ways you can inject it <laughs> through your veins you can smoke it you can snort it okay so i bet if you're desperate <laughs> you could eat it i don't know what that <laughs> would do yeah don't people like to test it they that's like cocaine. That's the powdered form. But when they're saying the larger rock, crack I think it's a cocaine. larger rock that hadn't been like sliced and diced. See, then, but then I'm also confused because I'm like, isn't meth a rock? Correct. I think crack cocaine is like a form of meth. I don't know. And then there's okay, like... Okay, I'm not a drug addict. There's like heroin know. and then there's like black tar heroin. Yeah, there's a lot. Of drugs. <laughs> I don't know. I always thought that literally crack and cocaine were like two different things. But then I heard they, someone say crack cocaine and I was like, what? I think that you have, if I'm understanding this correctly, you have like cocaine and then you have meth and then they had a baby and it's crack cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I don't know. The don't point mean. is he's selling it. He has like little baggies of it. Jesus. And then he has like a big old rock of it. I want to know what it looks like. I'm guessing... It doesn't matter. So four months later, October 25th, he is then sentenced, Yavani is sentenced to two to five years in the New York State prison system on drugs and prostitution charges. He is housed at Bar Hill Correctional Facility in uh, Malone, New York. And all of you fine folks in New York, he is set to be released as early as October of this year. So I would just like to ask, why is it that Yavani is charged with prostitution and not human trafficking charges and he gets two to five years when Ishi was charged with federal human trafficking charges and is now serving 15 years? Like, why couldn't we charge Yavani with the same similar style charges because we know that he is prostituting people out? My theory, I feel like it's maybe based on which branch was investigating yeah the the crimes and the cases and the evidence I mean I'm obviously all of that has a factor into it but it's like my conspiracy brain is like why isn't the Manhattan New York Police Department and the DA and all of those fine folks doing anything and everything to get him on human trafficking charges when you got him on issue issue woony mm -hmm. issue <laughs> this whole the the one of the strangest things about her case though is november 13th 2021 corinna's social media account which had been dormant since her disappearance on september 20th 2017 it now starts showing activity mm. and sabina her mom has stated that she does not use corinna's account and they do not know anyone that has access to it so now we're all just left with these questions of does she have access to her account does someone else have access to her account is she on there has she been hacked this entire time her 
Sabina, Sabina has had no leads, tips, or information leading to the location of her daughter, and nothing's really been made public. If they do, they could be keeping things close to the vest, but that's really it. She reached out to investigative agencies, like, but nothing has material, materialized, and it is, I guess, an ongoing investigation at this point, but... Sabina hasn't heard from the FBI. She hasn't heard from the NYPD. No one returns her phone calls. And she's just a mom, like, trying to fight to get her daughter back. And she's literally being let down by the institutions that are built to serve and protect her. So that's pretty much the case of Corinna. I think for me, my biggest thing is when she is texting with her aunt, there's a missed op- opportunity of if that actually was Corinna communicating with her aunt, if she could have just been a little bit more open and vulnerable about what was going on, I guarantee you her family would have gotten yeah. her out of that situation. Come come live with us. Let's get you to mom's house, whatever. Hey, let me come visit you in New York. Yeah. And if that doesn't work and you're unhappy, like, let's get you out of there. Like, move here. Start fresh. So that's really sad because I think that's a missed opportunity. And obviously coulda, shoulda, woulda. Um, You know, I'm sure her mother looks back and thinks, wishes she would have done things differently. The whole text message thing about her sending the text to Yavani about P. It's like, is P mean pimp? Or is P a person? Obviously, P's a person, but, like, is P a reference to Peter? Right. Or or is it, like, just overall my pimp? Yeah. I'm leaning more towards pimp, but then also, like, what does the foul shit mean? Like, there's a lot of questions for me around that. I mean, I definitely think she was trafficked. I think that a situation of she was Yavani's, she got passed to Ishi, the whole situation with Ishi and the other girl and Corinna and the arguments and, she and whatever. she wanted to get out and she probably expressed I think that, to that Ishi pawned her then off to someone else, probably in exchange for some drugs or what have mm-hmm. you. And then now we don't know. Grand Prairie, that is just so obscure to me. Want to go drive around? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. It's sad. It's so close. It's so close. So Corinna... Paige Slusher is still out there. She is missing. We will have all of her information on our social channels and on the blog. And definitely go out and share her images and be on the lookout. And remember, if you do see her, she's not necessarily going to look like the pictures. Because if she has been living in this lifestyle for the last several years, it's going to be hard. And it's going to be hard on your body. And you're going to be involved in drugs and a lot of other things and your appearance is going to change. Mm-hmm. So, any any last things on that? No, but I think we're going to be taking a trip to Grand Prairie. Hell yeah, I'm down. <laughs> little mini road trip. Heck yeah. All right, I'll get into the weekly spotlights. First, we have Brian Anthony Adamitz, who was 35 years old when he was last seen leaving his apartment on November 4th, 2015 in St. Thomas, Virgin Islands. Brian is described as a white male with brown hair and brown eyes. He was approximately 6'3 to 6'4, 190 to 200 pounds when he went missing. Brian was supposedly heading to work, taking a laptop and his passport, but leaving his cell phone behind in a note, but the contents of the note have not been publicly released. 
Anyone with information is asked to call the Virgin Islands Police Department at 340-772-5605. Next, we have Karen Wetzel, who was 36 years old when she was last seen on or around October 2008 in St. Thomas, Virgin Islands. Karen is described as a white female with blonde hair and brown eyes. She was approximately 5 feet 5 inches tall and weighed around 120 pounds when she went missing. Karen has a tattoo of a sun on her right shoulder. She has previously broken her arm. Karen lived a transient lifestyle, and it wasn't uncommon for her family to not hear from her. After months of no word, she was reported missing, and it was discovered her boyfriend, Canute, was also missing. Anyone with information is asked to call the Virgin Islands Police Department at 340-693-8880. Last, we have Canute Joseph, who was 43 years old when he was last seen on or around October 2008 in St. Thomas, Virgin Islands. Canute is described as a black male with black hair and brown eyes. He was approximately 6 feet 1 inches tall and weighed around 175 pounds when he went missing. Canute went missing along with his girlfriend. Anyone with information is asked to call the Virgin Islands Police Department at 340-693-8880. All right, thank you, Megan, for that. And until next week, true crime friends, I will remain loud, bold, and out there with all I do and you fine folks. Stay vigilant, be aware, and always remember, we need love, not hate. Yes, and don't forget to like, comment, share, subscribe, follow, ask questions. Thank you.